delivering all the news, the informed views, and just telling great motorsport stories since 2003. Powered by the Racetalk.com. This is on the grid. G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com or on the Radio Show Limited's RS1. Thank you for joining us. Big show coming your way. We're going to speak to Barry Ryan, the man who runs, of course, Erebus Motorsport. What a year they've had this year with Brody Kostecki and Will Brown doing so well. And also Brody getting the gig over in NASCAR in a few weeks' time. We'll have a chat to Barry about that and much more. Mark Walker, Richard Quayle to join me to talk about the week in sport, which hasn't been that much. So as a result, a top five coming your way, the top five things we'd like to see or we think will happen in 2023. All that to come right here on The Grid. You're listening to the latest from around the motorsport world. On The Grid. And joining me as always off the top of the program, Richard Crowell. G'day, mate. How are you? Oh, Shebex, it's always good to talk, mate. How are you? Yeah, good. A weekend at home. That was nice. Rare. Rare. Still plenty of motor racing to keep on touch uh, on top of, though, which was good. But uh, no Formula One, bit of IndyCar, which we'll touch on. Wild Old Race in Toronto over the weekend. NASCAR delayed a little bit. There's topical, and we'll get to that in a minute as well. But, yeah, but a busy month coming up, Shebex, with uh, two supercars rounds, a speed series round, and a whole heap more coming up in a short space of time. So lots to get through. Yep, and one team that's going to be definitely right in the thick of things as we head into that busy round for supercars is the Erebus team. They've been going extremely well right throughout the year. A couple of rounds that maybe weren't their way, but uh, definitely since then, they've been going fantastically well. And Barry Ryan, the man who runs it all over there at Erebus, joins us for a chat. G'day, Baz. How are you? Yeah, good, mate. How are you going? Very well. Thank you, mate. First of all, congratulations on 2023. I think overall, at this point in time, you can say it's pretty much a success. Yeah, yeah, it has been like the the only round that's been even a little chink in the arm was down. We still got a couple of fourths and some pretty good results. So, yeah, I'm pretty happy so far. Baz, um, good to talk to you. Thanks to jumping on the show, mate. What what's What's been the key to consistency this year? Because there's very few teams that have been able to be consistent at every round. And as you say, if your worst round this year is what you put together in Darwin, then it's going to be a very good season. So what, what's been the key for you guys to string that consistency together over the, the season so far? I think it's mainly, you know, putting a, a car on the track straight out of the truck. That's been reasonably good. Mm. And then the two drivers actually really working together close with the engineers, George and Tom and Wayne and making sure that we, um, make the right changes when we need changes and we're following each other's lead when we need to. So yeah, it's been a really good team effort by both nine and 99. So Barry, the question I want to ask based around that is how did you get it so right so early? I mean, you, you jumped out of the gates in race one and just had it absolutely perfect. Or did you just have a better than everyone else? Oh, no, I'd like to think we're just better, but um, no, I think, the boys did a lot of um, planning in the details of what the car was going to do compared to the old car. And I think, you know, actually kept it fairly simple. Didn't overcomplicate things and, and um, yeah, had what they thought was going to be a, a good baseline setup, and we've stuck around that. And um, I don't want to say luckily it was, I think it was just well managed that it, the baseline setup was pretty close. Are you confident enough now, Baz, that your cars are going to be good everywhere? Have you, have, do you feel like you've been to enough of a, 
a cross section of circuits, straight circuits, you know, short ball rings like Simmons, quicker places like Hidden Valley that, that your thing's going to be quite good everywhere you go? Yeah, I think so. It's eight tracks now when you include Winton and City Motorsport Park with the testing. So, um, yeah, I, I, probably the most nervous we were was going to Simmons. We thought that was going to be a big test. Um, and then once we ticked that box, then we, Townsville was the next one. We were pretty nervous thinking this is different again. We didn't have much good history there and history we've proved now. It doesn't matter now. Like we've got a, our new cars, new baseline. Forget what happened. Anything in 2022 or before, it just doesn't matter. So, um, yeah, so I think anywhere we go now, like the last six rounds of the year, we've got confidence in all those tracks with the drivers in particular because mm. they both like all those tracks. Where the, the first six tracks probably wasn't really a track where we went, yeah, we've been good here before. The drivers are really confident there. So sure. I think we've got probably more confidence heading into the last six rounds than we had start of the year. But I'll tell you what I've really enjoyed about this year, and it's the growth and development of your two drivers. I think Brody and Will have just really grown into to really good drivers, not just in the car, but outside the car. Their media acceptance is fantastic at the moment. Uh, just that whole overall development of those two over their, their period of time, where they're at now, they, they're just real pros. Yeah, it's it's been pretty pretty um, good to see, and I'm actually I'm proud of both of them. They've done an awesome job, and let's say you know I think Townsville was probably the standout drive by Will on the Saturday. Like that was just such a mature drive. Drive he started that last stint basically two seconds off the pace, and his whole target was to be fast in those last ten fifteen laps of the stint. So to be mature enough now to go out the gate. Knowing he could have done a probably a high fifteen, I think his first lap was like a seventeen and a half or something, because he just knew that as soon as you wear those tires out, those first two or three laps are critical for your whole stint. Um, and then Brody on Sunday, you know, you know, had a bad week, bad day Saturday, and put on a provisional pole, qualified. What would he end up third or fourth? And then raced to second, really strong. So yeah, they both proved that they proved their worth. And like you said, even off track, they're doing a fantastic job for us as a team as well. What have you learned about your two drivers this year, Baz? Because it, you can you learn a lot about your driver in a in a hard time, but I imagine you you get as much out of them when things are good and things are going smoothly as well. Yeah, I think the the hard times the last two years is what's probably um, made them what they are this year. That you know they're really enjoying the success, but they're enjoying seeing each other get the success and the team get the success. So, you know, Brody's as much as they, you know, they love beating each other. If Will gets a good result, Brody's the first one to come up and shake his hand when he gets out of the car and mm -hmm. vice versa. So, um, yeah, that's something we, we started when I first, um, at the end of 2020, when we signed him up was to sit down at a restaurant. I said, boys, until we're winning races, we've got to work together. There's no, no use working against each other until we're actually winning. And now we're we're at that point. I hope they don't now change. <laughs> I think they don't have to work together. But no, we haven't seen any hints of that yet. And I said to some other journal today, I said, if it comes down to the last lap of, if one of them takes each other out at the hairpin on the last lap to win the championship, well, 
we'll fight it in the stewards' room, and I'll have to represent them both. <laughs> and you'll still have won the still have won the championship anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I don't think it'll come down to that, but yeah, if it does, we'll be pretty happy. Yeah. Uh, mate, the other thing too is, and and put me in on pl- in my place if I'm wrong, but the ethos of Erebus over the years has always been. While it's a serious business, we're also going to have fun while we're doing this business as well. Is there a, a fine line, and is there a is there a need to sort of just keep the blokes in check around that in regards to how they go about being serious drivers, but also portraying a, a fun time as well? I don't, if you're in our environment constantly, you'd see that we're all very serious. But you know, we like to we do like to. Have- have a bit of fun in the background, but you know we know when to switch on and switch off, and that's where our whole group of um, whole team is really good at that. And most of our guys have been with us for at least two or three years now, and some of them six years since we started in Melbourne. So um, yeah, we know when to switch on and off, but um, you got to have fun. Otherwise, if you don't have a bit of fun, it's it's a pretty cutthroat sport, and you're not going to last long. You're a, a racist racer. Baz, uh, do you sit there and relish this incoming battle that you've got with Triple Eight to the end of the year? Because you, you look at the points table, both teams and drivers, and it's Erebus 1-2, Triple Eight 3-4, Brock's having a fantastic season. You never, ever count Shane Van Gisbergen out of a championship race. Do, do you sit back and just look at this and go, this is why I'm in the sport. This is what I want to be here for. I want to beat the best team in the business. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, that's... that's... We can't beat ourselves, so we'll have to beat second best team. That's Triple Eight at the moment. So, um, yeah, we've we've got to just keep pressing on. And I'm actually really happy seeing how good Brock's going too, because yeah. Brock's just a brilliant talent. And yeah, we were the first ones to put him in a supercar in a supercar session at Winton. So um, that's something we can um, hold our hats heads high and say that yeah, Brock was part of an Erebus at one stage, and yeah, he's just a great kid, great family. And um, yeah, I'm I'm so glad that Triple Eight have given him the opportunity. Mm. The opportunity that's been bestowed to Brody in regards to his NASCAR drive. Of course, we saw what happened to Shane uh, when he did his in Chicago. Do we expect a similar sort of result from Brody at Indianapolis? I'd like to think so, but you know, um, I think Shane was a bit blessed with that round. That was the first round that any of those drivers have been anywhere with. You know. A, a road course with concrete walls that close. I know they're racing ovals with concrete walls that close, but a uh, very different situation for all of them. And Shane essentially had the most um, experience on that style track and he learned the car really quick, which I think Brody will learn the car really quick as well. And um, yeah, it's going to be really interesting. I think I can't see why Brody won't be, you know, somewhere in the top 10 to start with. And hopefully I'm, I'm talking him down, but he's, um, He's big on the simulator, so he's going to learn the track, you know, just on the sim. He'll go out the gate and feel like he's done, you know, a thousand laps around the joint. So as long as the car's pretty fast, which was in Tyler Reddick's hands last year, they won that round. So mm. um, I think RCR are pretty strong there. And Brody's already got a good relationship with Kyle Bush through some stuff he did when we were over there. And, yeah, I think they're really excited about working together. So yeah, it should be good. Uh, you're back over there this week, I understand, to do some more stuff with Richard Childress Racing. Just tell us a little bit about what you're hoping to get out of that and, and this little building relationship that's going on between Erebus and, and RCR. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it started with Terry Wahoon and he sent a car over there and um, 
Andrew Dickinson used to work for Terry, and Andrew's one of the engineers over there with RCR. So it's sort of formed there, and you know they're trying to get their drivers faster on road courses. So you know driving a supercar on a road course is a benefit to them, so they can um, yeah just be better at turning right as well as left. Um, yeah, so I'm going. I'm heading over with Terry tomorrow, and we've got some um, got a test next week. Um, early in the week, and we're just going to help out there. And it's more about you know having some meetings with RCR and talk about what we can do together technically. You know, mm. it's totally separate to what Brody's doing, but it's sort of aligned in a way. Mm. So, um, yeah, whether Brody was racing or not, we still would have been doing what we're doing with RCR. And you know, at the end of the day, Richard's very passionate about winning races like we are. And if there's something we can learn off each other, you know in the next 12 months it's it's worth it for either of us because we're all we're all aligned with what we want to do and win races yeah and are there any elements that you sit there and look at the way these cup series teams operate which is so impressive um is there anything you look at that and go i want to grab that and bring it back or is that part of this process is to try and see if there is something that you can grab and bring back yeah part of the process like you know there's the way they throw a wheel in a pit stop, um, the way they record all their pit stop stuff, um, you know, they use pretty much the same transmission to us. So what oil do they run? Um, mm. You know, technically, what do they do for their um, pre-race simulation, their strategy, all that sort of stuff is little things we can pick up on and and we might be able to go, right, this is what we do. And they go, oh, shit, we didn't think of that. Um, and we hope it's, it's going to be a bit of that. And that's as simple as it's going to be try and work out what we want to learn off each other and then be open with each other and make sure we learn it. And it's the only way we can move forward or not the only way, but it's a good way for us to move forward. And if there's some way we can help them, they can move forward. Yeah. Cool. Has it been nice to have Betty back this year, mate? She's uh, she was obviously out of the, uh, out of pit lane for a, a couple of years, but she's been seen at most of the races, not all of them for this year. Does she sort of complete the team? Uh, she's always valuable to have there. Yeah, she's um, she's had a busy oh, 12, 18 months like, um, with a house build and a new pups and all that sort of stuff. And she actually loves watching it on TV. So when she's not there, she's constantly on the phone asking, or you know, asking what happened or congratulating us. Or you know, she's a massive part of the team. And yeah, she's going to be at the next, I think, four out of six rounds. Um, yeah, she's always good to have around. She's really good for morale. She's really good for just spotting if someone's, you know, struggling a bit or, you know, if you're having a good time, she's the first one to come up and pat you back. So, yeah, it's great to have her around. Very good stuff. Do you look forward to Enduros at this point of the season? Are you well into planning for uh, for Sandown and Bathurst? And, and further to that, just, just your thoughts on Jack and Davey coming back into the team. So an established pair of co-drivers who have already offered you guys plenty in those races in the past. Just um, your thoughts going into enduro season and, and also having Sandown back's really cool, a good addition to the calendar. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, both those blokes have done us proud for the last two years. And, you know, Jack and Will haven't had the best two Bathurst the last two years, just circumstances. But obviously Brody and Dave had the third, uh, fourth. and. Uh, yeah, they're both champion of the bit to to um, you know get involved and win some races for us. So uh, they're both doing racing this year, which is good. Probably stronger than what they did last year, especially Jack. He's doing more driving. 
Um, he's had a bit of bad luck at Super 2, but yeah, he's, he's still getting laps in. So, uh, yeah, I, I can't wait for it. We've, we've strategically saved some test days to make sure we get them more miles than all the other co-drivers, which I think we'll successfully do. Um, yeah, so it's, we've got ride days for them. We've got test days for them. And we're in a good position where our testing is probably not as critical as some other teams that are chasing a lot of speed where mm. we can sort of consolidate what we're doing and make sure we get the driver's laps because that's what's going to catch people out with these new cars. If the co-drivers haven't done enough laps, they're going to be off the pace. Oh, Barry, if you reckon you're excited for the next six or so rounds, you can't believe how we are as a putter. <laughs> it's just great to have competition up the top and fantastic that you guys Sorry. are providing it at the moment. Thank you for your time today, mate. We really do appreciate it and go well for the rest of 2023. Yeah, thanks for your support. It's good to hear that you guys are excited. You know, you, you hear some of these comments on some of these other buddy media things and people putting down supercars, but I think it's been, you know, just not just because we're going good. I think Gen 3 has been a real good refresh when you see Matty Stone and, um, you know, guys yeah. like that win races. It's, it's unbelievable. It's so good to see. Yeah, it certainly is. Good on you, mate. Thanks for your time, buddy. We'll catch up soon. Cool. No worries. Thank you. Barry Ryan joining us here on The Grid. There's more great motorsport stories coming next on The Grid. And joining us as always for the second part of the program, Mark Walker. Good out of you, my friend. Hello there, Tony Shibaki, Richard Kryle. Welcome to another podcast. Welcome to another podcast. We, we sort of touched on it just at the top of the Barry Ryan interview just before we went to Barry that it's been a little bit of a quiet period at the moment, but gee whiz, it's about to kick off. Yeah, the the back end. This season is heavily back ended. It's like some loans I've got. Like you, you, you don't cop the pain until the end of the year. It's um, it's it, it is properly busy from here. So we're now we're into the thirtieth week of this season, and if you were to follow, so you get through next weekend, right? July twenty two, twenty three. Yep. If you were then to follow all of the speed series, all of supercars and the two remaining motorsport Australia trophy rounds, which is you what you'll would, be doing. Correct. You would have between now and the Velo Adelaide 500, five weekends at home. So it's not a lot, is it? It's uh, there is a lot going on. So supercars in Sydney next week, then the Trophy Series up at Queensland Raceway, which will be quite a good little round. A speed Series at QR the week after, which will be huge. So, Southeast Queensland fans who complain you don't have a supercar round out at Ipswich, they're the events to go to. Uh, the OTR Super Sprint, which I reckon is one of the better overall supercar rounds in terms of support product. Uh, that's in late August. That's going to be huge. And then back to back at Sandown in September. Finals time, Shebex. You can try and get to the G during that. Yeah. So you've got Speed Series and then the Sandown 500 returns. And then two weeks later, we're off to Bathurst. Bang. There's the 1,000, which isn't that far away. Um, Trophy Series back at the bend. And then we go Gold Coast, TCR World Tour back to back at uh, Sydney Motorsport Park and the Bathurst International. And then a week later, it's the Adelaide 500 and it's all over by the shouting. So she's going to be a rush home there's no doubt and uh yeah getting these podcasts in is going to be a uh, fascinating logistical challenge for you but uh we'll make it work somehow there'll be thursday afternoon releases possibly Friday, oh, some wednesday how hard is it 
Well, and without wanting to spoil what we've coming up, is I get the feeling there's going to be a lot of news in the second half of the year as well. Yeah. I feel like there's going to be some big drops that people are going to go, oh, wow. Both good and bad. But anyway, yeah. we'll come we'll come to that later hmm. on. Bad? Well, not bad. I don't like the sound of that. No, not bad, but like dramatic. Dramatics, okay, righto. As in drivers leaving teams to go pursue um, other careers. Well, that's inevitable, but uh, yeah, you know, just there's going to be stuff. You know, there always is, and then it's such a condensed run to the flag. I feel like there's going to be uh, there's going to be a lot going on, and that's before we even talk about Formula Uno or the end of IndyCar or uh, anything else. So yeah, it's good. Well, a couple of stories to cover off on before we get into our topic of this week, and we've taken the liberty of because it has been a little bit quiet, to put a top five together for this week. It's going to be the top five of things that we would like to see in the back end of the year. Richard, probably, maybe his eyelids might be the first thing for him in his top five, but we'll get to that a little Actually, bit that's later. Quite I'm wow. just going to add that to my list. <laughs> Sleep. <laughs> Sleep, I'd like to see that. Uh, Brody Kostecki and his deal, it's good to see. He'll do all right. Oh, yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Um, as, as Barry Ryan alluded to earlier in the show, it, it's a it's a tougher ask than what Shane, I think, had to deal with at Chicago. And um, as, as Shane himself said before Chicago, the, the NASCAR guys can road race. There's no doubt the top half of them are, are going to be pretty good. And a lot of them have got a lot of experience on the Indianapolis road course too. I'll tell you what, if you're thinking about a trip to the States, that's the weekend to go because mm. you could go to Indy and you get three of the major series there with Xfinity Cup and IndyCar running on the same weekend. So that, and, and an Aussie running. So if you can jump on a bomber and get across there, that'd be the way to go. But yeah, look, but having said that, I, I, there's no doubt he's going to be quick and competitive because just about every Aussie or Antipodean that's jumped into one of those cars has always been quick. So, you know, fast, open, flowing Indianapolis Motor Speedway road course, there's no reason why, you know, in an RCR car that's been good there in the past, Brody won't be a contender because he's pretty good at car racing, as it turns out. Yeah, I mean, he's cut cut from the same cloth as SVG. Like you said, Richard Childress Racing won that event last year with Tyler Reddick. Yeah, like SVG, it's a full factory uh, Chevy effort, which is what you want to be in because you get all the sim time and everything there. You just have to look back to Chicago there where Justin Haley finished second for the race in a Cowley racing car. They're down the pecking order at Chevy. He got 20 minutes in the sim on Thursday night before the race. Mm. That's it. So you want to have the full factory Chevy hoo-ha behind you, which he will have. So that's good. Uh, no doubt he'll be able to lean on SVG. And like we said last week, the other NASCAR guys were leaning on Brody leading into Chicago. So yeah. that's all going in his favor. Like you said, the things that aren't going in his favor, um, we actually, as we go to press here, we haven't heard anything from RCR on who's going to be running the program. Uh, you know, obviously these big teams have hundreds of people and yeah, there's guys out of the woodworks that um, get dragged out there for these races. Like we saw with Darian Grubb leading Shane Van Gisbergen. You know, RCR have Andrew Peak. Andy Petrie uh, up their sleeve. He hasn't been a, a cup crew chief in a while, so he's a little bit out of touch there, but conceivably they could put him on top of the stand. You know, the big thing that cost Shane at Chicago was having that second string uh, pit crew. He lost spots on pit lane every time he went in. You know, even if it wasn't his doing, you know, he was obviously may have been a little bit tentative uh, because there's no pit lane speed limiter in a NASCAR cup car. So 
but he, he lost bulk ground every time he went into the pits. So when you're up against the best of the best, you don't want that. And that Indy road course, it's nuts because it's so wide open. If mm. they can get to your bumper, they're going to use you up. Yep. You know, Shane was lucky in Chicago. No one could get near his bumper. So, <laughs> you know, Indy's the sort of place where you can absolutely have a massive dive. The restarts there are crazy. If they do the double file restarts, they'll be 15 wide into turn one. And that always winds up into post. So it'll be interesting. There's a few questions still to be answered there, but he's capable. If uh, he does a good job, he can certainly pull a result out of that weekend. And Peter added and funding a fair bit of it too, which is, uh, which is good. Good for Brody. Oh yeah. Look, and you know, Peter's a lot of things, but he, he does put his money where his mouth is, doesn't he? And he's always spoken very well of Brody and he's always supported Brody. So yeah, and the Erebus boys. So yeah, good on, good on him for, for doing that and stepping up and maybe, you know, the deposit he paid for the Gen 3 car that he's decided not to take up. Maybe that's just rolled into this program. Who knows? Mm, possibly. Uh, anything else we need to cover off supercars was? It's been fairly quiet, hasn't it? Bit of rain at testing at Winton probably gazumped a few people. Yeah, but uh, they're still looking at throttle bodies and maps and things for the Ford engine. So uh, you'd like to think they went out and got some laps in the rain because... It's a surefire way to understand throttle control is to drive one of those cars in the wet. So, you know, maybe it worked for them. I don't know. But, um, yeah, it's it's nice that it's quiet. I mean, the, the media reporting, Mark Fogarty saying that uh, that Singapore is a done deal, if if not quite done. But um, I don't know what we think about that, to be honest. Um, is that Singapore Grand Prix? Yes, yeah. 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 So that w- the interesting thing with that is that, A, they'll have to air freight cars over because otherwise they won't get back in time for Bathurst. So Singapore this year is the weekend of the Sandown 500. Mm. So what does that mean for Sandown next year? If it happens, um, does the Sandown 500 get moved before that to an August slot? Does it get moved later? Does it still be the 500 in what would be the 60th anniversary of the Sandown 500 next year? Um, These are only did it for one year. Yeah, well, these are all questions that need to be answered at a racetrack that we don't think is going to be around for that long. So, yeah, it's um, many questions to ask. But, um, yeah, is is it a good move for supercars to to go to singers? I, I, I honestly don't know. If they're getting a paycheck out of it, which the reports indicate they are, then fantastic. If it's bottom line for the teams, run at a Grand Prix, run at a street circuit where they traditionally put on a good show, Good stuff, um, but at that event, do you just are you proper second fiddle? And and I know having worked with Porsche, that Career Cup Asia has been there for many a year, and um, they were very much a support category in the true extent of a support category at a Formula One event. So, um, what deal can be cut to give supercars enough track time to make it worthwhile and to make it good for broadcast here? Uh, will be a really interesting little scenario to work out. I've got thoughts on this and. Bugger it, I'll say them now, but you know, they'll they'll fourth in the pecking order at Albert Park this year and they wound up having a three-lap race on Sunday Arvo. So what happens when they roll up to Singapore and they blast apart some of those tech pro barriers? <laughs> we'll be back to having a three-lap race on the mm. other side of the world. What's the point? But at least if they get some money out of it, good for them. Yeah, I I like it. I like it. I, I think our footprint has to be better than just Australia. I think it just needs to be, and uh, Singapore's close enough to home to actually, you know, be still a part of our region without. Have you still got a standing? Have you got the standing booking there from COVID times? I have actually. I've still got that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to. That's that's one of the reasons why I wouldn't mind it. 
That was the most optimistic move in the whole pandemic. I think it's Tony Shebeki booking accommodation for the Singapore Grand Prix in 2020. In a, in a field of it pessimism, was. I had to try something. <laughs> it was incredibly optimistic, but um, but very good. Uh, you appreciate the optimism. And look, Shebeks, if you go next year, I'll, I'll come with you. Why not? We'll yeah. do on the grid live from Singapore. Uh, so, so we're doing a couple of Asian trips next year. Uh, we're doing Bang Seng, aren't we? That's right. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be a busy little period, isn't it? Yeah, good. You might yeah. as well stay there. Well, yeah, well, why are we going to bother coming back? Well, just fine. signing the divorce papers now as we speak. But yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I think as long as um, I agree with you, Shabex, as long as they're servicing the quote unquote heartland first. Yeah. Um, which, if the calendar rumours they're talking about are true, they will be. Um, especially with New Zealand coming back. That that's the most vital. If they went to 100%. Singapore. If they went to Singapore before they went back to New Zealand, yeah, that's that is just the most out of touch decision you could ever make. So, 100%. as long as Taupo happens, um, then happy days. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Uh, Daniel's got his big show this week. Been a lot of talk about it. A lot of sympathy for the man that he's disposed. I think Sebastian Vettel might have come out and said that uh, it was all yeah. fairly harsh. Yeah, well, he was on the other end of it, wasn't he? He got he got projected in after a short season in Toro Rosso. Um, oh, yeah, look, it, it's harsh, but you know what? If you don't know what you're getting into when you sign for Red Bull, then yeah. you're probably a little bit unawares of the way the world works. Um, yeah, unfortunately, Nick, it, it's a, a whole lot of circumstances. A, his first Grand Prix filling in for Albon at Williams last year was awesome, and he did an amazing job. So everyone went, oh, this guy's the second coming of Michael Schumacher. And then he jumps into the worst car on the grid against a teammate who's been there for two years. Um, it was always going to be a really tough ask. So yeah. you, you kind of feel sorry for him, but at the same time, that's the business, isn't it? So Alex Albon got dumped by Red Bull and has made a pretty nice career for himself at, at uh, Williams now and is leading that team. It's, it's not jobs off by any extent, and I'm sure DeVries will find himself a, a drive somewhere. But, um, yeah, and now the, the focus turns to Daniel, jumping in the worst car on the grid. So, you know, what's a good result for him? Is a good result beating Yuki Tsunoda? I don't know. That's probably the only thing you can really judge it on. And if he does something miraculous and hauls the thing up into the points, well, then that's a big tick in the box. Hmm. Yep. 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 Uh, last car, IndyCar, Mark? Uh, IndyCar, Richard. That was, uh, we didn't have that on the bingo card. Rahel. Yeah. Been getting up for a win. What? Yeah. Yeah. That was, um, that was good. But when it wasn't default either, it was legitimate mm. raw speed. Um, uh, I, I haven't even thought about knots this week, so I'm just going to roll one out right now. Not mm. Team Penske. Um, yeah. Missing the strategy call with Scott McLaughlin. Could have followed the Rahal car in and would have been able to race to the line. At the very worst, would have been second. Um, just missed the strategy call there. That's absolutely balmy and uh, ended up down the pack a little bit and had to work his way through. And then Will Power running the thing out of fuel. So not a great day for the Penske mobiles, but... Another good race, lots of action, and Toronto's a. It looks like it's an event on the bounce back too. They had a huge crowd mm. there, which was great. So, good to see a staple of IndyCar racing sort of refinding its feet after a couple of really odd, sort of quiet years for that race, which was cool. But it was a good show. And I'll dip into my hots. Uh, Alex Palau 
he's so good that uh, he can mm. finish second with a busted nose. So yeah. um, how good is he? I've got to say, I've actually been to that uh, track, but it was out mm. of season. It was winter. I was, took my wife for a long walk around <laughs> an empty frozen car park. I was taking lots of random photos. Oh, you're Were such there a any bears? Any Just, bears? No. Not not there. It's a car park in Toronto, it's mate. It's in the like, middle of a city the size of Melbourne. So you know. It was quite a random little walk that we went on, but it uh, got so dark romantic. and cold, so we had to leave. Yeah, no. It was good <laughs> memories. Great place. Beautiful stuff. All right. Uh, top five things we'd like to see in 2023. Well, I, I've gone with the top things, top five things that will happen in Ooh. the in the second half. So it's not even what I like. It's that I'm, I'm going to go out in a limb. And I was so successful with my prediction of a Scott winning at the Indianapolis 500, uh, that I'm just going to roll on with that. Uh, at number five, and this is captain obvious, uh, Shane goes goodbye. Shane Van Gisbergen. Uh, the announcement will come. He may, it may not be announced until after the Adelaide 500, but, uh, he's Gonski from yeah. supercars racing. So, yeah locked see you mate right well can i repeat yours yes and this is my working out i've i've done some maths on this okay so uh, you know you'll have contract things here someone will have to pay out the australian pesos on it but that's not an insurmountable task you'd think if you're talking nascar money to put a program together um look i, I very much doubt he'll land in cup straight away i think that'd be a a pretty wild move. And one, I don't think NASCAR would be okay with, like you look back to when Ambrose went over there in 2006 in the truck series, he wasn't allowed to run the first three races of the year at Daytona, California and mm. Atlanta because they're big ovals and they just don't let you go out there on a big oval straight away because they're too big and too fast and you'll make a mess for everyone. So his first race was at Martinsville. Um, are there mechanisms in play? Does the fact that he's won a race give him some sort of hall pass that he can skip the whole of never raced on an oval before? Wait and see. You know, the ARCA series is owned by NASCAR. They have a race at Daytona before the 500. So conceivably, you can go and run the ARCA race. And if he does okay there, they could sign him off. Don't know. I think the pathway might be through the Xfinity series and possibly running a program on some of the harder tracks like your Darlingtons and Dovers. Like it's all good going out there and donging them on a road course, but that's not going to really prepare you very well for a full season in cup. Uh, you know, the one thing for sure is that he is locked into the all-star race at North Wilkesboro. So it'd be crazy if someone doesn't at least pick him up for that, even if he stays in Australia, which he won't, you know, somebody's going to have to jam in a car there for the all-star race. Cause he's locked into the main show. Um, I just hope that he, gets aligned with a good program, a good factory back program. You know, I've said it here before, junior motorsport and Xfinity dovetail that into a track house ride and cup in 25. I think that'd be big, uh, full Chevy back the whole way. You know, when Ambrose was over there, he never had that full factory backing when he's with JDG, he was in a second string Michael Waltrip car. When he was in RPM, it was a second string Roush car. They were capable of winning, but they just never really mm had the resources I, to get it done. I think he goes and does Xfinity, but I reckon there's a 10, 15 event cup program in there on the shorter ovals and all the road courses. And yep. the irony of that is, is that he could go and win. He could come with five races next year, theoretically, um, which would be incredible. But uh, yeah. And I, I reckon, yeah, maybe some market stuff on the, the big super speedways, but certainly, um, 
certainly uh, Xfinity and just yeah, get his stripes and then, yeah, full campaign in 25. So yeah, I, I think Shane would understand that it's going to take more than one year just to to slide in. You know, he's nothing if not realistic about his motor racing. So, But I think he goes regardless. Yeah, no, I agree. That was in my top five as well, so I'll throw that out here. Now, and Mark, just a quick question. How hmm. tough is it for an Aussie who's never raced left, 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 left all the time to actually get used to these overs? Did Marcus ever speak about that? Whether whether he ever how long it took him to actually realise shit, I've actually got this under control. It's a, a black art though. The the whole thing, getting the setups right, you know, like even if you're in the Penske Fords at the moment, that they had a good run on the weekend there at New Hampshire where Martin Trokes Jr. donged them and yeah, that was actually a bit of a win there. But James Small as well, he's third win for the season and they're setting up to be uh title favorites at the moment but you know marcus never had that full spec factory program behind him where he had all the good simulation stuff so mm. much of it is to do with simulation these days yeah and it's so much better now than it was when marcus oh, went over yeah. like the yeah. the level of simulating they can do now yeah. and you talked to mclaughlin about that and going over and prepping for what he did with indycar racing mm. the level of simulation that he had is, is so much more advanced and more lifelike now than it was it's a simula- there's a simulation from the driving perspective, getting in there in the lifelike simulator that they have at Chevy. But then it's also the simulation to get the setups right in the first place right. because they yeah. have so little practice these days. That's a hard task. Like they're not running out full practice sessions. Often it's just qualify and race and you're done. Mm. So, so they don't have to take all the spare cars to all these things. It's a bit of a legacy thing from uh, the pandemic. That's going to make it harder. But, you know, it's down to the teams, the manufacturers. You know, if they're not carrying the Y in their sums on setting up the shocks for these ovals, they're going to be nowhere. Like the Fords don't have the aero sorted on the Mustang. It's fine on a super speedway, and it seems to be okay on the shorter flat ovals. But the intermediates, they're just getting hosed because they've not carried the Y in their sums and things just aren't working out. You know, we're talking 0.0 nothing, but in a category like NASCAR, it makes a massive difference. But if you align yourself with the good teams and the, the full program, it'll help. Yeah. Number four, Richard? Uh, number four is we will, at one point before the Velo Adelaide 500, go a full week without parity talk. No. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's going to happen. Well, I reckon it, it's going to happen. Is it just going to be a week when everyone's lost interest in the sport? <laughs> no, I think it will happen. And uh, it will. this leads into one of my next will happens. But I think it will happen. I, I think there will just be a moment where everyone goes, oh, that was just great. And we don't need to worry about that. So that that's... That's I think I believe I believe it's going to happen. We're closer now than we ever have been. Beautiful, Mark. Uh, look, I think Ford wins Bathurst. There's eleven races left in the season. Ten of them are going to be won by Chevys. Um, <laughs> they're not. Look, I, I think this race this year could be every bit as frustrating as 2014 without the bonkers finish. Um, you know, if they don't figure out their wonky Gen Three steering racks, I think the uh, Wall at the grate there could probably do with a couple extra coats of varnish on it there. Keep the <laughs> keep the keep the paint in check. Um yeah, who's gonna win it? Probably Nick Perkat and Fabian Kiltar, just because it's a 
Things don't need to make sense in 2023. And also, I'd like to congratulate Scott Pye for finishing third with Warren Love. I mean, nothing's been yeah. more sure. And we've no, seen that, that many times. Completely and utterly locked in. Oh, yeah. It could be second, you know. And the one last thing on supercars, I don't see any of the teams inducing team orders to go for a round win from here on in. No, no, I think that's incredibly no, stupid. Mm. Uh, well, then I'll go with the Bathurst team as well for my fourth. I'd love to see a three-way finish at Bathurst this year. Three cars, all finishing within 0.1 of a second of each other. It's just nice, good, close racing for the last 20 laps. We haven't really had that for a while, have we? Oh, the There's been an absolute grandstand. The last nine hours of the 12 hours. Yeah, that, just, just yeah. throwing that out there, you know. Sorry, well, that is Bathurst, you're right. But uh, yes, I'd like to see the Bathurst 1000. Yeah, okay. No, I, I, I understand that. Yeah. Um, number three uh, things I think will happen. The angst will boil over somewhere. There, there's, I, and I mentioned it last week. There's a lot of angst at the moment. There's a lot of angst in parody. There's a lot of angst as to whether Shane's going to go. Everyone's paranoid. Half the field's going to decamp to NASCAR. There's a lot of angst in the media at the moment. Um, everyone's got some angst going on. It's very angsty. It's like a 90s teenager sitcom. There's just so much drama. Um, and I think at some point it's going to boil over. And I don't know where. It could, and it, look, it could be at Bathurst because if anything boils over at a place, it's there. Um, but I, I feel there's a, going to be a moment at some point this year. Now it could be, and we can hope that it's like a punch on, uh, after an on-track altercation, or we might get a, like a, 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 a Phoenix NASCAR style thing with old mate running through the paddock, chasing after Jeff Gordon. Like I'm happy with a punch on one of the, the, one of the comedic, just, comedic scenes. Ford going and bashing supercars. Well, it, it might, it, it could be Chevy going and bashing supercars because oh. the parody swung the other way. Wouldn't that be a turn up for the books? <laughs> That's a real, just throw the, all the script up in the air and see where it lands. But I think there's going to be a moment, but I, I think what it will do will lead to my previous point, which is that the angst will boil over and then it will be like a little catharsis moment. And everyone sort of just has a deep breath after that angsty moment and um and gets on with life so, can we have um, a can we have a, a guess as to who the angst may be between uh no no i haven't thought that deeply about it i'll be brutally honest to you Shebex. um but it i i think it would it will probably involve triple eight barry and I, I don't i don't know if they'll be the ones instigating said angst but uh they might be on the receiving end of the angst Someone's going to pick up a steering rack and just go and jam it through one of the truck tires on the supercar's rig. It could be around control steering racks, which have proven to be slightly less suboptimal this year. Where, where could where could you stick a steering rack? There, uh, there are places. That'd be bloody painful. <laughs> two words come to mind. Up your. That's wow. where we'll stop. Mm. Anyway. Oh, those words will be said at the same time as well. Probably. All right. Yeah. Next. Uh, nice. For me, Scott McLaughlin wins two races in a row. We just want to see him get a couple of weeks consistency, don't we? There hasn't really seemed to have been that this year for him compared to what we saw last year. So I'd just like to see him go bang, bang somewhere in the next few weeks and just put two wins in a row. And right, let's tick that off and let's move on to 2024 with a whole lot of confidence. I think it'll happen. 
I, I'm almost convinced it will happen. Okay. A lot of racetracks coming up that he went good at last year. So it could be that Indy weekend. He's always been quite good yeah. on the Indy road course. Road America seems like a track. But honestly, the team that's got to perform is Penske. And I think Scotty's doing the job driving. The team that's got to perform is Penske and Chevy are getting smoked by Honda at the moment in IndyCar racing. So there's, I think there's a bit on the manufacturer side as well. So if he does win races, it's going to be a bloody good drive to do it. But no, I like that. And I completely agree with you. Please go. My go? Yeah, it's your yeah. go. Okay. Uh, Max Verstappen, he wins every race this year. <laughs> and you know what? I like Frank- that and it could happen. Frankly, I'm here for it. You know, my Max Verstappen uh, wins race report template has been finely tuned. It has literally saved me hours every week off my weekly routine. So I start by inserting the Grand Prix name and then I add one to all the pertinent stats, you know, like he's won 23 races this year. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then you bang in all the standard phrases such as Dutchman, two-time world champion from pole position, Verstappen led into the first corner. Verstappen pitted late for tyres so he could claim the fastest lap bonus point. <laughs> then broke their spirit, crushed their soul behind Verstappen on the podium were dot, dot, dot. Mm-hmm. It, it literally, it rots yeah, itself. It does. Mm-hmm. And it's AI at its best, isn't it? Mm. Look, yeah, exactly right. I could try in a bot for, you know, it's not going <laughs> to take long to, to, for a bot to figure <laughs> this template out. Look, it's terrible for the competition. It's murdering F1, but the thought of a record-breaking season where he just goes out there and dongs everyone, and the only asterisk is two wins to Checo, mm. who will go on to fulfill a lifelong ambition of racing sports cars for the rest of his days. Correct. Mm. Mm. So off the back of that, then, can I go with my next one, which is Daniel Ricciardo, to get a podium for oh. Tory. Oh, and what? and I base it on the fact that if you could get the shitbox that was McLaren up for a win, <laughs> I reckon the Alpha Tory has to be a chance for at least a top three. So let's just go dive into this. You're going to have to spend next week off on concussion protocol, I fear. You're going to be a man down the podcast. So in that car this year, Nick DeVries' best result was 12th at Monaco. And so Daniel's going to lose five spots on him for sure. Y- Yuki Sonoda has managed two tenth place, so two world championship points, one in Australia and one at Azerbaijan the yep. three weeks after, and that's it. Okay. Yep. Interesting. Interesting. Look, I think his best chance is Spa ninety eight breaks out again and all the field shunts and he Brad well, it. That is a lovely segue, Mark. Thank you to my next number <laughs> two point, which is there will be a complete. Utter wild card win in both Formula One and Supercars between now and the end of the season. There you go. So Rick I won. don't I don't think Max Verstappen wins every race. I think he wins every race bar one. But we're due we are due a mental Grand Prix where it all goes ridiculous and someone surprising wins. Now surprising this year would classify as Fernando Alonso winning a race surprising this year would be Lewis Hamilton winning a race. Maybe, maybe less than Nando, but I, I think that happens. I think something crazy happens now. I don't think it'll be Daniel Ricciardo because I don't think the AlphaTauri could even win a completely crazy race. However, however, it could be another McLaren and I'll just let you ponder on that. Oh. It could be Lando or could it, could it, be the young bloke from suburban Melbourne, maybe from Box Hill, maybe just jagging himself one. 
I just, I don't know. But I think there'll be a wild, crazy Grand Prix between now and the end of the year. I, I, if I was going to say one, I'm, I'm going to go with it being Las Vegas because that looks just completely and utterly insane. Uh, and I think at the same time, there will be a completely crazy supercar race before more crazy supercar race, but it's hard to say a wildcard winner uh, when people like, you know, Jack LeBrock's won a race this year and there's been so many crazy things going on in supercars. Mark Winterbottom won a race and I don't think anyone reckoned that would happen. So, Well, you can uh, say I, a wildcard winner if you're talking about Bathurst because well, an actual, an actual wildcard. So maybe it's Craig Lowndes winning number eight. And Zane Goddard with the ultimate redemption from last year wins Bathurst. I don't know. Just throwing it out there. But I think that will happen. But certainly in Formula Uno, there will be a crazy GP that Max will lose and uh, someone delightfully surprising will uh, will win. And the upside of that, Mark, is that if Fernando wins a race, Taylor will probably write a song about it. So, you know, that'll be something for the next album. Yes. <laughs> The good thing about this is we're cutting them up, and as they happen throughout the year, no, a the, little sting that goes, told you so. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Next. Mark? Right. Um, I'd like to see some innovation on the 2024 calendars when they drop. <laughs> good luck with that. I'd just like them to not be a complete and utter debacle like this year's calendar was. Like 12 <sighs> supercars rounds was garbage. It, the whole sport just drops off the face of the planet for weeks at a time because there's nothing to talk about. Mm. Um, I'd love to see them go back to tracks like Quinton or Queensland Raceway before they go and do anything else. Yes. That would be nice, wouldn't it? You know, innovate with these events. Put on something special. Put on some camping, some flair, point of difference. Do something because it's so cookie cutter. It's the same, 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 same. Everywhere we go, we can do better as a sport. Um, also, with the Speed Series, I'd love for them to go places where supercars haven't. Like, we've seen that this year with Phil Boland and Winton. They were big because supercars don't go there. Morgan There's been Park. some story. Morgan Park. Oh, we'd own it. That'd be huge. You but know, if you go to Morgan Park, you don't go to Queensland Raceway. So, what you're going to get bitching and moaning regardless out of that. Fine. But I get I get where you're going. They've got to go. Yeah, I've seen stories saying, oh, Darwin, Perth, possibly on the Speed Series agenda. Oh, give me a break. No. Do it. Just ah, something. Let's have a better calendar next year. Yeah, and let's have it out by Bathurst, please. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be nice too. Uh, final one for me is we head to Adelaide Supercars, and there is ten points in it between four cars. Three, I'd love. Four would be great, but the two Erebus and the two Triple Eight cars are absolutely within a drop punt of each other. And we just have the most amazing couple of races in Adelaide that just knock us off our feet. That's what I'd love to see. Because once again, we haven't had one of those season finishes for a while either. Well, we're due another Newcastle 17, aren't we, really? Yeah. 17 or 18? 17. 17, yeah. We're, we're due another, certainly. Certainly. And it looks like we're going to get that. No, I, I think that's a very believable... Uh, a believable point for sure, for sure. Uh, so too is this, my final one. I think we're going to have a Bathurst for the ages. I reckon this year's 1000 will be great. I think it'll be great for many reasons. How good is that Friday afternoon qualifying session going to be? It's generally one of the best yeah. sessions of the year, regardless, to find out who makes the shootout. But with the variableness of 
qualifying in supercars this year, that session has the potential to be incredible and the margin's tiny. Um, I, I think the Gen 3 product, from for all the dramas that there's been, the racing's been very, very good. And Bathurst tends to amplify all the good bits that makes racing good. So long straight for slipstreaming, big stops for overtaking. The track's got it all. Mistake generator. So I think these difficult to drive cars that the drivers may not be overly in love with, I think that's going to produce really spicy racing. The fact that the cars, and I don't know what the rule set is yet, but the fact that the cars are significantly more economical, that strategy could now play a significant role in the race again. And rather than seven or eight stops, it could be five, which would be great. And wouldn't, wouldn't it be brilliant to have a a really dramatic um, fuel race again? (laughs) Been there before. Um, so, and, and I just think that product's going to race really well, but I think most of all those cars are going to look unbelievably good around there in qualifying trim, especially. So I, I think that's going to be a, a bit of a shining light for a challenging debut year for Gen 3. I, I think Bathurst has got all the potentials to be tremendous. I think there could be a, a really good winner. I don't, I'm not quite sure if it'll be Fabian and Nick, Mark, but um, I like the way you're thinking. So, yeah, I think Bathurst will be great. And that will be my number one thing that I think will happen in the second half of this year. Now, I'd like to tack one on to Bathurst. I think Skippies are going to play in part this year. Oh, no, don't see that. No, it's going to happen. Um, the, the Gen 3 cars aren't strong enough to survive a Skippy. Oh, of course not. No. Like, no that'll not be even a chassis. At, at slow speed in the pits. No, no. <laughs> and my number one, it's going to be Friday night beers on TRT before the Sydney Motorsport supercars at the Windsor Pizza Hut, all you can eat. It'll be the social outing of the generation. Seriously. I've never in my life been more excited at the prospect of making six trips to the pizza bar, two trips to the dessert bar and rolling out the door to the waiting ambulance and the stomach pump 20 minutes after rolling in. <laughs> Marvellous. Oh, I cannot wait. Marvellous. I was starting to get some practice in. I actually, uh, it's 750. I had a 750. 50 gram palmy last night. Truth. I know. I went for the kilo, but I just couldn't get the last 250 in. <laughs> it's not a rule you can eat pizza. What sort of chicken it? was that? No, it was nice chicken too, though. Nice palmers. Very nice. <laughs> yeah. It's a pterodactyl, mate. <laughs> chicken. The uh, the four Maori boys on the table behind me had two kilos each. What do you eat? Big yes. Yeah, I'll take you there one day. It's interesting. Uh, yeah. I don't, don't, don't know about that. It's interesting out there over the, the other side of the West is, Gate, isn't it? It is. Uh, it is. Uh, we'll wrap it up there, boys. Very good. Um, hot, this show ending before an hour and 20. Yes. Yeah. We, <laughs> did we cop any flack from that from anyone? No. No. Oh, Presuming good. anyone makes it to the end. Threw every bit of programming out on uh, the old RS1, but oh, that's all right. Totally. I'll get over yeah, it. Exactly. All right, Richard, catch you next week. Bye for now. Catch you next week. Bye. And we'll catch you next week right here on The Grid.